Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Museum of Art in Jackson. What Became of Dr. Smith by artist Noah Satterstrom is on view now through September 22, 2024. Learn more at msmuseumart.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome to the Mississippi Arts Hour. I'm Malcolm White. I'm your host today. I'm here with Kevin Farrell, our producer, and the one and only Mr. Bobby Rush. Thank you very much. I appreciate you. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. So good to have you here. I'm glad to be here, man. It's, it's, it's good to be anywhere you know, <laughs> at my age, man. <laughs> well, now you ain't but 86. Well, I mean, you know, so I'm not 86. No. I'm 85. I won't be 86 to November, well, so don't rush me. They got this wrong over yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. We got to talk to you. Yeah, yeah. I got, I got, what, I got uh, six more, since what? Six, eight more weeks? 85 yeah. years old. Yeah, yeah. I got six, eight more weeks, so don't rush me. Okay. You, you, sound, like, you sound like Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Born in Louisiana. Born in Louisiana. I, I left my little hometown in 1947. Went to Pine Bluff, Arkansas with my father, who was a minister and a pastor of a church. In 1951, I met Howlin' Wolf, Muddy Waters, and Little Walter. And Little Walter one would convince me that we need to go to Chicago to display our harmonica plan. So he knew Willie Dixon, so he uh, invited me to go for Willie Dixon. Well, Willie Dixon was living in, in uh, Bisburg, Mississippi, but he was playing with Rufus Thomas in Memphis, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. So we didn't have enough money to get to Chicago. So what we did, we worked uh, at the Jitterbug. It was making for E.L. Burgess. I was making $3 a night. I worked in Jitterbug for a few days and had enough money to go to Memphis. And we got on the street and went on Bill Street. Then we left Bill Street and we went to East St. Louis and made a little bit more money. Then we went to Chicago. <laughs> you worked your way to Chicago. Worked in Chicago, 1951, man. Wow. Yeah. When when did you change your name? Oh, uh, in 1949. So roughly. you knew in 1949 that yeah. you were going to be oh, in I, the music I, I business. Knew, uh, my daddy was a preacher and a pastor for church. I knew at seven years old what I wanted to be then. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be this blues singer. And I was like acting in the church, but my mind was at, in, in the blues. And the Joe, Joe George, man, my daddy would say, wait. You can have it. After I got a little teenager, he said, you can have a car, but you got to bring it back at 10 o'clock. And what he meant, I got to come in the house at 10 o'clock. But I would always obey my dad. I would bring the car back at 9.30, sneak out the back door, go back to the juke joint, <laughs> and paint me some mustache on. Oh, okay. And, and, and I wasn't supposed to be until you 18, you know. Right. And M.O. Jane would cover, cover for me, you know. Yeah. So did you have conflict with your father about the uh, church music versus no, the— No, no, no. You know, uh, no matter I hear people talk about the devil music, but the, the, my daddy being a preacher, a pastor of a church. He never talked to me about not doing it. I mean, he didn't He didn't say uh, not to sing the blues, but he never—I mean, he didn't tell me not to. He didn't say sing them. He didn't say not to. He didn't say one way or the other. So with that was a green light to me. Yeah. I remember <laughs> I was about seven, eight years old. My cousin, my dad's brother, had a son. We call him son. His name is John Scott. He was about 15 years old. He gave me a guitar. The reason he gave me the guitar because he was 15, maybe 16, a little older than I, and he was beginning to talk to the little girl, so he would let me play the guitar if he was talking to the girls. So I would make it my business to get all the neighborhood girls around. <laughs> and I said, son, I got some girls here. So he could talk to the girl. He said, oh, go ahead and play the guitar because he's busy talking to the girls. 
So he would talk to the girl and I would play. And finally he gave it to me, and I, I hid it in the loft. When I hid it in the loft, about three or four weeks, the neck blew on it because it was hot up in that loft. Uh-huh. I would take it out and bring it down to the mule trough or a cow's trough where we water the hogs and things like that. And I would stick it in the water. Man, that neck was straightened back out. I said, wow. <laughs> The next couple of days, I put it back up, and it would blow up again. And so one day, my dad said, Junior, I'm, I'm named my father. <clears throat> He's a friend that guitar here, boy. I was afraid because I thought he was going to throw my guitar away. Mm. I gave me a whooping about having it because I know he wanted to, I thought he wanted me to play the gospel, and I didn't want to play no gospel. I mean, I wanted to play Wayne Dane Doodle, you know. <laughs> so I brought it to him. He said, give me the guitar. Let me sing a song I just sang to Little girl, when I was older than you, man, I got close to my dad. My mom was in the kitchen cooking. He had his back to my mom, and he—I thought he gonna sing "Glory, Glory, Hallelujah" when I laid my burden down. I used to sing about my mom, but he didn't sing about my mom. Ah, glory, glory, Hallelujah. He said, me and my gal went to Shanky Pen hunting. She fell down, and I saw something. I said, Daddy, a preacher. <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't believe this, man. I said, sing it again, Dad. Now, I couldn't ask my daddy what he saw. So I said, sing it again, because I figured the next, if she fell down, the next bird should tell me what he saw. I said, sing it again, Dad. <laughs> my mama said, <clears throat> me don't sing that kind of song to that boy. So he went to sing it again. He said, me and my gal went to Chanky Pen, hunting. She fell down, and I saw something. I said, Dad. Sing it again. Because he still hadn't told me what he saw. So he went to sing it again. My mom said, <clears throat> I said, Dad, how big was she? He's all fat, 350 pounds or so. I said, what's your head on? He's nothing but a dress. Now, in my little mind, man, a big fat lady falling out with nothing on but a dress. Man, I could just see it running out. <laughs> my mind was running, man. My mind was running. So he finally would just sing it again. And I said, Daddy, Daddy, here come Mama. He said, me and my gal with Chanky Pen on. My mother walking up behind. I said, dad, dad, dad. He said, she fell down, and I kept running. <laughs> so I don't know what the song would be. <laughs> my mama broke it up, man. <laughs> Calvin make him pick it out, but I couldn't pick it out. <laughs> so that's taught me to writing the kind of things that I do, to saying the kind of things I say on the stage. And that was that started me. My daddy really influenced me to do that because of green light to me. Mm-hmm. Then Louis Jordan, him and Louis Jordan was... Thing man, that was it. Now you were in, in uh, Arkansas by this point. Yeah, by that time I was in Arkansas. I left in Louisiana in 1947. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you first started playing, uh, what, did you have a band or were you I, sitting I, in with guys I, I, or what were you doing? Yeah, but I was uh, fortunate enough to have a little credit, and uh, I had a it was a fall term. What I mean by fall term, you could work if you was a good farmer, and the boss would let you have anything you want from the store until until picking cotton time. Mm-hmm. So I had this good credit and a good line with a guy called E.L. Burgess. He had a little old store. And uh, I would get what I want, go to Pine Bluff and buy the little instrument, a small apple, a little silver tone apple thighs and things like that. So I had the instrument. I was the worst player, but I owned the instrument. So I hired <laughs> Elmo James. <laughs> you had the gear. Yeah, I had the gear. Yeah, I had the gear, man. You know, they couldn't find me, you know, because I owned equipment, you know. So there were clubs around? Uh, yeah, the little clubs. I wasn't supposed to be in it. a place called Jitterbug. In fact, so if we talk about that, uh, three months ago, they named the street after me in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. Now we're talking. Yeah. Now they we made, come full circle. The, yeah. 
at all them years, and they give me the, they named the street after me in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. You know, there's this point in your life, Mississippi claims you big time because you moved to Jackson in the in the 80s, I believe. Louisiana claims you big time because you were born there, and Arkansas claims you big well, time. Did you know we'd all be fighting over at this point? Well, let me let me tell you, they can stop fighting because see, my great grandmom is all from Carthage and Pittsburgh, and we got separated and went to Louisiana when I separated the family tree because my great-grandmama was a slave to Van Spivey right here because my mom is blue-eyed and blonde hair. Hmm. So when we, so what happened with that? He had six kids by my great-grandmom and five kids by his wife who live in the same house here in Mississippi. So when the white kids and the black kids when the dad was on the sick bed, he went to buy land to all his children. So the white side of the family took the black side of the family, took them to Udover, Arkansas, dropped them at a barn that raised themselves. That's how my dad met my mom. That's right. That's 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 good stuff. Yeah. So you got a brand new record out. Got a brand new record out, and uh, behind the Grammy, this was a hard record to cut because it's hard to compete with your own self. <laughs> Man coming behind uh, a Grammy. And I said, what can I do at behind a Grammy? So I come up with Sweet Liz and the whole bit and, and thought about a lot of things. And and this Best Eye Jackson, who was like co-producing it with me, and uh, Scott Billington did a couple of songs with me who did uh, some production behind the, the Grammy, which is uh, a couple of years ago. And we come up with this CD. It's kind of cross-the-board kind of a thing. It is, it is a little bit different. But I think we all suffer from being afraid of change. And yeah. I, and I'm, and I'm, Not and I'm, Bobby Rush. No, no. Bobby I, Rush. <laughs> but but it, take, it, take, it takes a, it take gut, Mac, to do what I do. Yeah. <clears throat> because I'm I so blessed because I have crossed over, but I never crossed out. You know, I'm, I think maybe I'm the only black musician or entertainer really have the cross you know, I have the black audience, the white audience. Right. Mostly have one or the other, and I have both of them. That's a hard hat to wear, you know, because you got to satisfy. I got the young people, the older people, the white, the black. I, it, man, that's hard, man. I got to keep the rhythm for the young. I got to keep talking to old talk so the people can still remember what I'm what I'm about and what I stand for. And I got also got to get the groove enough to gain the people who don't know me. You know, it's that's a hard task, man. So a new record's called Sitting on Top of the Blues. Sitting on Top of the Blues. And it's uh, self-produced, self- Yeah, yes. Yeah, your own label. Your own label. And you've recorded for a lot of different labels. Yeah, and I, what time. I call well, this label, uh, uh, Deep Rush Records, I did, I think it was 112 songs on my label before, which was about six or seven CDs. Mm-hmm. Now I went back to it because... It's, I didn't go back to it because I had no place to go. No. I went back to it because I thought it was the right thing to do. Well, you won a Grammy with Rounder. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. that was the, the porcupine me. That was the one before and, this. And, and Rounder have been trying to get me 40 years before this, honestly. I wouldn't doubt it. They was trying to get me to record. So uh, Billiton, Scott Billiton has been my friend for many years. So let me produce this on you. You know, uh, and he's a great guy, great producer. But uh, I have lots to do with my own production because you can tell who would talk about uh, porcupine meat. <laughs> right. Nobody would talk about that but a Bobby Ray. <laughs> <laughs> 
So Vastai Jackson played on both oh, Porcupine Beat. Both Porcupine Beat and this and one. And the new record. And the new record. And he did a lot of lot of production thing with me, too. Because I'm trying to listen to younger people who have some ideas and who mm-hmm. have some input, you know. Even if I like it, I don't like it, I still listen, you know. Yeah. You know, who, who knows who's right in this business, you know. Well, you were talking about the crossover thing, and you're right. So many people don't cross over, but but you're known as the king of the chitlin' circuit. So, so I mean, you don't get any higher than the king of the chitlin' no, circuit. You're also that. quite a traditional musician. Well, you play guitar I, I am, and, I am, and, and I am harmonica. Really, I'm really traditional. I just, uh, Mac, am I just you the king of the uh, uh, chitlin' circuit to let people know I'm right grounded and I'm rooted, you know. You know, I'm grounded and rooted. Yeah, and I'm not going to the place. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back to the Arts Hour. I'm Malcolm White. I'm in the studio with my buddy, Mr. Bobby Rush. Yes, and I'm glad to be here with you too, bro. Grew up Emmett Ellis Jr. Yeah, Junior. They'll never hide it. I don't know how you go on my website and wherever you see my name, Bobby Rush, you'll see the name Emmett Ellis. I changed my name just for one reason, because my daddy was a preacher. And I'm a junior. I just didn't want to make him look bad. And I didn't want people to think I was trying to say in gospel because that wasn't where I was going. I respect it and everything, but I'm a blues man. You ended up making him look good. <clears throat> well, <laughs> <laughs> did, did you? Yeah. I don't know how long your father lived, but did y'all have time to, to really, oh, him God. to see your career? Yeah, he, uh, he had time to, to see my career. He never been to see my show. I don't think he probably watched the TV, you know, because I, my mom too. I was no, I was Chicken Head was a big, big record, so I was going to sing Chicken Head in the house one day, and I said, "Daddy told me on his dying bed, give up your heart, don't lose your head." And some kind of way, I said it. Well, I, I didn't say it in order. My mama said, "No, that ain't the way it go, boy." Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> and she knew it, you know. Hey, you know. They they listen when I'm not there. Sure. You know, they want to know what their son doing. But Chickenhead was the breakout, right? <laughs> Chickenhead was. Tell the me about that. How that you came to that and how it. Calvin Carter, who had BJ Records, who was going down. He said, "Bobby Rush, I've been wanting to record you for years. Now it's time for me to do it. But I need to do it next week." I said, "Next week." He said, "Yeah, but it's because I got a guy called Leo Austin. He's a preacher, Jehovah's Witness preacher." He gonna let me have some money, and then we can record this. But uh, I got to run the song by him. So you got a song? I said, Yeah, I got a song. So the name was Chicken Head. No, I told him, I said Chick Head. And Leo Austin was a preacher was saying, He said, Oh no, we can't cut no record to cut Chick Head. <laughs> I said, I don't mean Chicken. I'm Chicken Head. Oh, so he said, Yeah, you from down south? You like Chicken Heads and the feet and the whole bit. I said, Yeah. He said, But we got had a B song. I said, We got got a B song. So what's the name of it? Was Mary Jane. He said, oh, yeah, yeah, we can really do that because I had a girl did me wrong. Her name was Mary Jane. <laughs> I wasn't talking about chicken or no woman. <laughs> <laughs> so I had me too softy, you know. <laughs> they didn't know what I was talking about. So I said, he said, how'd go? I said, Daddy told me on the dying bed, give up your heart, but don't you lose your head. You came along, girl, what did I do? Lost my heart and my head went too, which had nothing to do with the chicken. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Another song said, I got high last night. I got high and didn't go home. Mary Jane, Mary Jane, can't you see what you done? <laughs> can't even find my car. And all my money's gone. Now I was talking, and I was talking about getting high. <laughs> the guy's about talking about a woman, you know. But anyway, 
<laughs> uh, it was a big record. Nobody thought the record was going to be a big record, but in my trunk, uh, I sold a lot of records. I, sold a, I remember I sold like 900,000 records out of my trunk before somebody had said, okay, this, this is a hit. 900? Almost a million records out of my trunk. 1,000 out of your trunk. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's a big trunk. Well, at that time, uh, uh, black people independent wouldn't sell any records like that. Mm -hmm. This was a big record. So somebody looked over my shoulders and said, no, we can't let that guy get away with this. No, got, they need some got, of that we action. Need, we need some of this action. So it's like when them underground hits, you know what I'm talking about? Real, yeah. So Fantasy Record came in and offered me some money, and I never got it. They offered me, Calvin Carter was the producer, and he was the man who was in the know-how to do all the contracts and the whole bit. So they contacted him about the money. So uh, they he said they paid him, but I don't know for sure because I never got any of it. <laughs> but you re-recorded it later, right? Yeah, I re-recorded it several times. Yeah. So. <laughs> now, you've worked, you've put out records on chess, Malico, no, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean lots yeah. of different lots labels. Of different, different labels. Uh, my first, I went to Chess first, and I went to them with a hoochie hoochie man, mm -hmm. and somebody beat me to the point and put it out early, mm. and that's why you see me kind of covet because they dare not to bother me because they know where their song really come from. Right. I don't talk about the two. I'm gonna talk about in this book I'm getting because, you know, and. You know, Willie Dixon went down for the best writer in the world. Right. But how could you write for a guy who couldn't read or write? So something wrong with that. But mm. it, they knew that I knew about the whole story because when I went to Chicago, Muddy Waters was there, Willie Dixon was there, Jimmy Reed was there, Smoker Hall, John Lee Hooker, Little Walter, Pick Me Markham, Mom Mabley come, and then 1957, Buddy Guy came, and the same year and month, Etta James came. I was there when most of the guys come. Even when Chuck Perry came, he didn't stay in 1954. And I'm one of the oldest men of chess record who live in today. And maybe the oldest recording artist in this in this category. How many records you recorded? 374. <laughs> now, that's on what technology? Oh, God. Starting uh, with 78? Start, yeah, starting with uh, uh, 78. Starting with 78, uh, the 33 and the 3rd. Yeah. You know them, 33 and the third? Know them well. Yeah. And then 45. And 45 and eight track. And the, uh, the, the, then the tape. Now they got the digital stuff. And next next year, I guess they'll come up with something else, you know. No talent. But I but but my music is so modification. I'm, I modify. I'm not afraid of the change, you know. You know, but, it, but it's like, like a toilet, you know. When I was a kid, we went outside to go to the toilet. It stinks and smell bad. Now you got toilet inside and it smell good, but you do the same thing in them. <laughs> <laughs> that happens. <laughs> now you've played the Tonight Show, Bonnaroo. Yeah. I mean, you've been all over, done everything. I've been all over. Uh, I've been blessed, so blessed. In the last, probably, I haven't worked on the 200 show for the last 60 years or close to it. I'm all over. I just could do doing 12 countries. Uh, eight or nine weeks out from that, from here. <clears throat> Just come from Canada a couple of weeks ago. <clears throat> and I'm steady working and steady doing a lot of things. I'm, and I'm, I'm steady going back and doing things that my management think I'm crazy for doing is giving my time up for, for people who can't afford me, mm -hmm. the small clubs and what have you, 
because I, you know, I, I just don't forget the bridge that brought me across. Right. You know. And we're glad you're over here on this side. Well, I am too. I am too, man. I'm so I'm so happy and so proud. Let me say before we get too far into an interview, because it's real personal. Thank you for what you have done. Thank you for what you're doing. What you plan to do? Because you and your brother really wrapped the arms around me as a friendship arm around me and a lot of other musicians who are not here to talk about that now. We all thank you for what you put, what you what part you played for, hiring people like me when the Jubilee was in this bloom day, and then your club, you still got musicians come through the club, many of them, including the Snoop Dogg and the whole bit, yeah. you know? <clears throat> well, not, not just the blues, but music, right. you know? Yeah, well, we're very proud of, of Howlin' Mouse and yeah. the music that we presented, but I tell you what, it's all about the music, and we're That's just right. fortunate to work with people who make it, like yeah. you and all yeah. these other folks. I'm the, I'm the Paraded through there. <laughs> <laughs> and I we worked it. on Zoo Blues. <laughs> we were talking about oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're going to Blues. I with booked Johnny, all that. Yeah, with, with Johnny Taylor. Johnny Taylor. Taylor. Me and you. <laughs> I got but you worked that two or three times. You worked yeah. the Jubilee Jam two or three yeah. times. Yeah, sure yeah. did. So you work with the full band and you do kind I of a traditional I, acoustic thing, yeah, right? Yeah, there's two reasons I do it. First of all, first of all, I do it because I love it, and I'm, I don't want people to, for my price to get so high. You know, I need the money, but I don't make it so high that people can't afford to see me on a smaller scale. Mm-hmm. I've been doing the uh, uh, King Biscuit now for 25 years, roughly. And I demand if I work it, I work one year on the headliner. Next year, I work off stage to the cruiser stage. Gotcha. I do that because there's some people who can't afford to come in still to get a chance to see a vibration. Now, you still work in the Mississippi Delta Blues Festival? Oh, yeah. This is my 40. It's been there 42 years. I worked it 40 years. 40 years. Yeah, I mean, Muddy Water started it all. I worked it 40 years out of 42. And that's the oldest blues festival in the state, I'm told. I believe it's the oldest one in the state, not the oldest one in the country, but no, the oldest no, one in no. the state. And you got a blues marker. Yeah. <laughs> I got a blues marker on Lynch Street where the old KJ station used That'd to be. be. OKJ. Yeah. And I wanted that because it's so really and so meant so much to me. And I got it when I was 75 years old. It's a center field uh, marker. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'd forgotten about that. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah. Got your Grammy. Got my Grammy. I'm 83. Got my Grammy, 83. <laughs> but it's best, less, best late than never. You mm. know, someone asked me how it felt when I got my Grammy. Felt like heaven, man. It just, I'm so, I'm so blessed and so happy that people accept me for who I am, for what I do. That, that, don't, that don't happen for everybody. That's right. That's don't happen for everybody. So let's talk a little bit about the new record. Um, yes. <clears throat> sitting on top of the blues. You're, you're, you're somewhere in your 80s. Yeah. And that's you're that's sitting that's on top that's of, that's of the world as we know it. Well, you know, see, I'm sitting on top of the blues. I wasn't talking about sitting on top of the note being the blues. Man. Right. I'm sitting on top of the game because I have did and done some things through life. I have learned some things, and I'm sitting on top of the game. Uh, I don't claim to be a smart man, but I'm smart enough to know I don't know anything. Because when a man tell what he know, he won't talk long. A man don't know nothing. <laughs> but I, but but I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed to have fans and friends around. I God, I went to Canada, I went to China the first time, and not knowing what I was going to expect or what was going to happen to me, went there on a Monday. Nobody know Bobby Rush in Beijing. By Tuesday. They had the, the radios had got on to me by Wednesday. 
a newspaper got on to me by Thursday. The whole country was on to me by Friday. Everybody knew I was in China. Saturday, I had 68,000 people at $400 a head trying to see me. That's nobody, pretty quick. Nobody had never done that. No. I never even heard of such a thing. And so you, I can't do no wrong in China. And you still go in there? Yeah, I can't. You know, I don't get to go that often because they say I can only draw about 10 or 20%. So that's a lot for Beijing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got 10% of Beijing. You're all right. Yeah, you're doing pretty good. <laughs> now, the the songs on the new record, do you write all these songs? Or wrote, some of these songs, no, other people's? I wrote, or are they I all wrote, yours? I wrote everything on that. Every man. word. I wrote everything. I'm, I'm crazy about all this stuff, but there's some things I'm crazy about than others. <clears throat> the songs I put out, uh, it was really called Dog Called Boat, called Get Out of Here slash Dog Called Boat. Right. And the reason I did that because I didn't know how people were going to take me talking about the dog. I'm a dog lover, and my son, who's a, in K-9, who's a police right here in Jackson, uh-huh. in K-9. So I love dogs, man. And, and I somebody wanted to take me think if I was kind of putting dogs down because oh, okay. uh-huh. I'm an animal lover. So I said, get out of here, slash dog, don't bow, name boy. This song says, in a little shack down by the bay, not far from New Orleans, I met this pretty woman down there when I was about 19. She went and told her daddy she wanted to marry me, and the look on her daddy's face really was a sight to see. He said, get out of here with you, and don't you come back no more. Get your real job. Well, I wanted to meet her daddy like a young man ought to, but I know his, he didn't want me to marry his daughter. When I went by his house that day, he met me at the door with a brother and sister, Big Bad John, the dog named Bo, <laughs> saying, get out of here with you, and don't you come back no more. When I sneak down to get married, the judge said, do you solemnly swear to take this woman for your lofty wife and not a one-night love affair? Before I could open my mouth to see how I do, guess who walked to the door? Dad, Mom, Big Brother John, the dog named Bo. <laughs> what I thought well then, Mac, if I wanted to marry this girl, I had to find a way to elope. So we decided to go to Las Vegas <clears throat> to get away from her nose at folk. Soon as I got to Las Vegas, the day we walked in, there was all her kin, all her friends, that dog on dog again. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I write like that. You know, you know how I write. Yeah. You know. yeah. <laughs> you know. All right. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back to the Mississippi Arts Hour. Malcolm White here with you. I'm your host today. I'm also the director of your Mississippi Arts Commission. I am so blessed and honored to have the legend, the one and only uh, Bobby Rush in the studio. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's been an awful, awful uh, nice day for me to just be in your company, man. I'm blessed. So we were talking about the songs that you've written, over 300 songs that you've written. And uh, my question is, how do you remember all that stuff <laughs> when you get up on the stage? I mean, how does it work that you memorize these songs and you can get on stage and just rip them off one after the other? You know, I, I want to, this is not a, this is not no laughing matter. I'm such a blessed man to be able to to write a song and to remember it as well as I do, and that's God gift hmm. because that's a lot of lyrics and a lot of paperwork to remember. Then I was on the stage last night. Uh, a couple nights ago now, and I was doing the porcupine meat. So when I got to the end of it, I told the lady, so did you write this song? I said, y'all wrote the song. And I was had did the song, and I said, porcupine meat, too fat to eat, too lean to throw away. And she, bow legs, 
It's easy to get to. I said, no, I didn't. That wasn't in the song. I just put that in there. You know. <laughs> <laughs> now you do. You do have a bow-legged woman song on the new yes. record, and you say, "Bow-legged woman and likes knock a knock-kneed man." Go hand in hand. <laughs> <laughs> so these are just little riffs that you you pick up and you put them here, there. Well, no, they time on the other. They they're not really riffs. That's it's my lifestyle, and and then I'm talking about most of the thing I sing about. It's the truth things about me, mm-hmm. about what I do. Because I had lied about a few things. I thought <laughs> I said I wouldn't sleep with no fat woman no more. I lied about that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but most of the thing I, I talk about the things I do and say, and most of it, I, I, I lived it, you know. But when you told these guys, all right, I'm going to record this song called Porcupine Me, what on earth did they say? They kind of laughed at look. I, I could see him. I, was, I had my cap on like this. <laughs> and I said, he said, Barbara, you got this song? I said, I got this you know, song, man. Said, I think it's going to be a hit record. I said, what is it? I had my head down like this. And I was watching their feet. I said, Porcupine Meat. And I could see them look at each other. And I was looking down like I didn't see them. You know, they was giggling. <laughs> <laughs> now, this was for Rounder. Yeah, 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 yeah. So y'all were, where did, that, where did you do that session? Uh, I did, all the session I did was in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And all the musicians from Louisiana, except Bastard Jackson, mm-hmm. what a blessing to me being from the state of Louisiana and doing my first record I ever record in Louisiana, and it was the Grammy. Wow. And I, and I, all the musicians but one guy from from Bastard. He just crossed the Yeah, he line. wasn't far from Y'all me. just crossed you just one leg in Mississippi, one in Louisiana. How many records did you make from Malico? I'd say... 75, I think, 70. That many? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Now, how many of your band today are people that are new or, or, or people that you've played with for a long My time? My drama been with me 47 years. My bass man been with me 18 years. The two ladies been with me 118, 115, 120. And the guitar, the keyboard player been with me 25 years. And the other guitar been with me 22 years. And the Second guitar been with me eleven years. He's the youngest guy. Wow. Yeah. Now these cats must have other gigs. No, nobody work in the band, but but, but me. I work. <laughs> nobody work in the band, but me. I work when they when they're home. No, they everybody working full time. Full time. And, and I try to give them plenty of work. And you know, how many how many shows you work in a year now? Uh, about two hundred shows a year. <laughs> two hundred shows a year, and I got. Uh, two hundred nine, nine people working and eight too many. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So you got a um, a team. You have a the Bobby Rush team. Well, I got a Bobby Rush band, and 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 be honest with you, and and I just love these guys. If they was come to me tomorrow and said, Bobby Rush, we tired of traveling, man. We don't want to travel no more. Man, I'd be happy. I'd be happy. I, I could cut my work down some, but because most time I work, but because they need to work. Yeah, you, you got to keep keep well, it, keep yeah. everybody going. Well, a guy been with you for uh, you know forty eight years. His kids, grandchildren now, and they all depending on me to to, to mm-hmm. give them some work. You know, and it's, it's getting hard sometimes because you know I can't work the small like gigs like I used to work because from the management standpoint it looked too small to them. You know right. how they go. So I have to kind of bite my jaws and and tighten things up and try to get more money for the days I do work and cut my work down. So I'm I'm hoping that in the next year that I can cut my days down to 100 shows a year. That's what mm-hmm. I like to do. And these shows, not many of them are club shows anymore, are they? No, I, I mean, don't. You're wait. doing festivals. I'm, I'm doing festivals. I do, big shows. I'm doing probably 
25 festivals a year and the big mm-hmm. show and the auditorium and the theaters and what have. But, you know, Michael, I still like the small show. I, I still like them places where you can bump people's knees and, yeah. oh, God, it's not that great money, but it's, it's just a great feeling, you know. Do you go to many shows these days that, that aren't yours? No, I don't get a chance. I yeah, love time. It. I'm having time. I, I'm on the show with a bunch of guys a lot of time. I like to see the shows, but I'm either signing an autograph or somebody knocking on my door want to talk, uh, the radios and things like that, and, and that's what makes my life yeah. uh, as popular as it is. what makes the engine run. Yeah, what makes the engine run. So I got to respect that, and, and I love it. And I, I do want to see artists sometime, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, like I want... Cap Mold is some some guy more than, just more than him. When they come on my shows, when Chuck Berry was living, I do, I want to do some things with Chuck Berry. <laughs> I, I did a lot of things with Chuck before he passed. Do the overseas thing, but Chuck quit quit the quit got tour. We had a tour for about twenty days, paying good money. So what happened? We <clears throat> Chuck Berry and Bobby Rush. So we worked the first three days, Chuck Berry and Bobby Rush. Some kind of way, you know, I'm I'm a hard work. I work hard. And they turn the tables, ladies and gentlemen, whatever they said on the poster is a mid-letter of the headliner. It should have been Bobby Rush and Chuck Berry. When he saw that, he quit. Like Johnny, he quit. Just he quit. like Johnny Just Taylor. Like, yeah. He quit. When they said Bobby Rush and Chuck Berry, he didn't work another day. That was it. That was it. Wow. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. So this new record is officially out sometime this month, 16, right? On 16. the 16th. Okay. On the 16th. And, and you've got a, some sort of big launch that you're doing? Yeah, I'm going on the 16th. We're doing Memphis, Tennessee. I'm going to do Good Morning American, Good Morning Memphis. Mm-hmm. And we're going to do DDTV and do it live, uh, a couple of things off it live. And from that, we're gonna, then we're going to Nashville. That's, that's kind of like the lunch in the album. Right. So... Uh, we're gonna do a couple of days and a couple of shows, and then the the uh, uh, on Main Street, which is across the street from BB, the, the museum is across the street from the BB King, uh, up by the Martin Luther King, yeah, museum. civil rights, <clears throat> civil rights museum, museum. Right across the street from Lorraine Motel. So six thirty, we're gonna do. They gonna they kind of saluted me, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, uh, kind of a Memphis launch. Memphis launch, uh-huh. and I think with that because. Because of the TV coverage, mm-hmm. oh yeah, 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 it's a major market. So it's a major market, and they're gonna have all kind of TV coverage on this record. So it'll get launched across the country from that, you know. And is is there a full on uh, tour around the record, or you just go back to work wherever the work is? I, wherever the work is, I got some plans. I'm gonna believe that. I'm gonna go to New York. I'm going to Maine, to Buffalo. Uh, I'm going to Denver, Colorado, and all around West. Mm-hmm. And all around back into L.A. I'm gonna make a little horseshoe swing around the west, west coast and the east coast, uh, because of the record. Yeah. How long yeah. you been living in Jackson, Mississippi? Uh, thirty years now. And what brought you here? Uh, two things: weather. I wanted to get out of Chicago in the snow, and I was I wanted to get someplace where, like a blind man, like a one-eyed man in a blind house. I figured I was, I was the, I could have been the biggest artist in Mississippi. Yeah. And then, and of course, I ain't got that much competition, <laughs> you know. That's <laughs> like a one-hour main the blind house. That worked know? out pretty good for you. <laughs> but then I, but I knew about the Southern State because I was doing my work in Jackson, Mississippi. So what I did, formed the band out of Jackson, Mississippi. Because if you, if you look on the map, mm-hmm. Jackson is the center of the South. Gotcha. Because you know I would work it out like that all around, you know. Now, does the Chitlin circuit exist anymore? Yes, still does. 
what uh, I'm glad we're talking about that because the chilling circuit wasn't just the juke joints. Right. The chilling circuit was what they paid us as black musicians, as black entertainers and band members and leaders. That's what they paid us a lot of time, a place to stay and food. I got you. And you and I remember one time in Argo, Illinois, I was, the man liked me so well, he gave me two chilling plates and four hamburgers. I would sell the four hamburgers, eat one chilling plate, sell them for 25 cents a piece. You follow me? Yes. So I make me a dollar on the chilling circuit, chilling plates and make me 75 cents on my hamburger. And he wasn't, and he wasn't paying me for $5.50 a night. I would give him mother water, mother water. $5.40. I couldn't oh, cut him a dime. That's what we was making in 1951. So what is the circuit now? <clears throat> what, what towns, what places, what states? Where, if, if it still exists, where is it? it it's all <clears throat> over if you got your name built up. I, I try to build my name with people's in friendship and work hard so they want to come to see me. So if I went to Pine Bluff, Arkansas on a Wednesday night, I made me get me a hundred people. I try to go to Little Rock the next night and get me 100 people. If I go to uh, Alabama the next night, get me 100 people, and I got 300. Now I go to a Friday and I get me 200. Now I got me 500. Mm-hmm. If I go some inner little juke joint and get me 400 on Saturday night, you know what I'm talking about? So I got me 800. If I go somewhere on Sunday night, I got me 900, maybe get 200. So I got me 1,000 people. At $20 a head, it ain't hard to count it up. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? That's a uh, business with me. Yeah, yeah. You, know? you manage your own business? I, I manage your own Always business. have. Always have. But I have a manager now because I kind of outgrew myself because mm-hmm. I, I couldn't be at all these places at the same time. Couldn't do all these things for me now. And and, and now they got the digital, the digital this and digital that and all this. And I need somebody doing this because, right. you know, and I, I don't answer my, I really don't write people, but I don't text that much. Right. I can text. But if I do that, people get too close to me. Hmm. Instead, of, I'll say the wrong thing or they say the wrong thing. So I got somebody else who screened that for me. Of course. Someone comes and says, hey, you know what they said about you? I said, don't tell me. Just deal with it, you know. <laughs> Just don't, don't, I'm, I'm serious. I'm, don't let them tell me anything about nothing negative. If it's good, it's, it's, we'll just respond back to it. Yeah, just take care do. of that. Take care of that. And I'll be Bobby Rush. That's why I'm, I'm busy being Bobby I'm, Rush. Yeah. <laughs> Full time job. That's right. That's I see you got your harmonica over there. Any well, chance I could talk you into blowing a little air? Let me tell you. <clears throat> since we got company here, I have an engineer here. He probably don't know what know what this is. It's a harmonica. I think someone asked me, said, well, Bobby Rush, why do you sing the blues? Is it because your woman left you? Well, yes. But you can also have the blues if they stay too long. <laughs> Let me show you what I'm talking about. <laughs> have you ever been mistreated <laughs> by someone you show no love? Have you ever been mistreated by someone you showed up low? Out of all the men my woman could have left me for, she left me for the garbage man. No matter how bad she treated me, still can't get her love out of my mind.
No matter how bad she treated me, people still can't get out of my mind. Every time I see a garbage can, I think about her in the garbage rain all the time. If I ever get my woman to come back home, I'm gonna buy myself a garbage truck. If I ever get my woman to come back, people, I'm gonna buy myself a garbage truck. When my garbage can't get full, I'm gonna take it and dump it way, way out in the woods. That's the blues for you. Lord have mercy. Mr. Bobby Rush, sitting on top of the blues, is the brand new record out this month. You can see him everywhere, and we appreciate you coming in. We appreciate what you mean to Mississippi and to the Thank blues you. music. Thank you. And our friendship is eternal, and we are grateful. Thank you, sir. Come back see us. I will do. <laughs> <laughs> 